0: to the exhaust notes podcast what is good everyone welcome to the exhaust notes podcast where we talk about formula one max verstappen more max verstappen more Max verstappen and uh hot takes what's good guys how you doing
1: here's the hottest take i'm gonna say max verstappen's not losing another race this year it's just not possible is that a hot take though it's not I just, I need something. I need something to spice up the marriage that is Formula One and Road Malhotra, but I digress. Todd, how are you feeling about all of this?
2: Uh, I think this this is going to come off as weird, but that was a really entertaining race, as much as I talk about the boring races, like on a track that's typically hard to pass on. There was, as per usual, a really, really uh, good midfield battle. Alonso showing that he's not a day over. 17 uh still fighting through the, the midfields and uh the strategy it was a race of strategy and it was really really interesting to me
0: yeah it, it was uh interesting to see the conversation over the around the flares too considering it's the dutch grand prix the heineken dutch grand prix sorry heineken you can sponsor us as well whenever you're ready just let us know Lincoln I will happily bio. drink your
2: zero, <laughs> zero point zero beers.
1: I will take up drinking if you. Sp- no, I won't do that. But <laughs> it's non-alcoholic. You can drink those, bro. Oh, that's true. I know. I like those commercials with uh, Rosberg and his dad. I'm like, how many beers did Mister Rosberg drink to get to that size, compared to where he was when he was a race car driver? But I digress. That's the fat shame of the week. I'm sorry. I apologize. If you want to. <laughs> complain about it. You can find me at various <laughs> social medias at Trav Pete. Come on the show, you coward.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Got that in there um, early. Yeah, <laughs>
1: for
0: real All right, before, thirsty. <laughs> before we get into the race results, let's read this review from Jackal7700. Uh, over on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't left us left us a review, you can do so over there. You can always hit follow on spotify and you can also leave us reviews on amazon music if you listen to us over there but jackal is a, a a very active member of our discord community which will be the first link in the description wherever you are listening to this and his review for us says note from an unseen listener the exhaust notes podcast is to formula one as top gear bbc version of course was to car enthusiasts is this a hot take or one of the best compliments i could offer you decide You don't need to be a fan of Formula One to start listening and enjoy this podcast. The presenters have great chemistry and make sure to emphasize explaining details along the way to help bring new fans to the sport. And though they are not yet to the level of Clarkson, Hammond, and May, their banter throughout the episodes will have you chuckling along with them as you listen at home. This podcast and the Discord community along with it has made this Formula One season my favorite yet. Well, thank you, Jackal. We appreciate that. And uh I mean I don't want to give it away but I'm leaning towards hot take on that comparison just as a f- as a top gear fan myself but that's a that's a story for
2: another day. Yeah, I that's definitely <laughs> a hot take as <laughs> uh contentious as Jeremy Clarkson is is he's like my favorite thing to ever happen to TV. Uh so I would not put myself in the same even stratosphere as him. So, thank you very much, Jackal. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. I will say this if we had to detail this segment, this is three moderately paid stars operating in a podcasting bar. Is that one? Is that one of the things? <laughs> My hip? Am I cold? No. As always, these reviews really get us clumped if we can be our inner Linda Reichman. But thank you, Jackal, for the love. And we appreciate you being a member of the community. And I know we sound like a broken record, but we there's a reason why we ask for these reviews. One, it gives us that internal boost to keep going with the show, but then it's also a reflection of the amount of work we put in because at the end of the day, we just want to make you guys laugh as much as we make each other laugh. And if you can get any sort of solace from us, regardless how absurd the statements are, and granted, they are pretty absurd statements on this episode, we thank you for that so
0: and I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb here as a as speaking as a McLaren fan for another McLaren fan and for a Ferrari fan. We're probably all three in agreement that the podcast, the discord community, and this season of formula one is the best yet. And that's saying a lot considering, I mean, we should all be in tears right now. The
2: way the season has gone. So fan of the racing first McLaren second it's a good
1: game. All, ra- all cars tried hard.
2: <laughs> I just hope everybody has a good time.
1: Yeah, I'm here for the fellowship.
0: (laughs) No, but seriously, Jackal, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We'll see you on race day, always in the discord. And uh, let's let's talk about these results, because I'm pretty sure none of us predicted the top three this week, right? Even though we probably should have.
1: I got kind of close because I had the wrong Ferrari in there, but I had Max, George and uh, what is it? Carlos, but instead the actual race results are as follows. Max Verstappen in his customary first. George Russell continuing to be the new Mr. Consistency in second. Charles Leclerc with a relatively new podium place because he hasn't been there in a while in third. Then we've got Lewis Hamilton, who probably had the most frustration out of any driver this week, followed by Sergio Perez, and then Fernando Alonso. Lando Norris in seventh. Carlos Sainz in eighth in what one of my co-hosts described as a continually bad string of luck. Then the Estebanded himself, Esteban Ocon in ninth, followed by Lance Stroll in 10th. And then we go away from the points and go with Pierre Gasly in 11th, Alexander Albon in 12th, Mick Schumacher in 13th, Seb Vettel in 14th, Kevin Magnussen in 15th, Joe Guan Yu in 16th, Daniel Ricciardo, once again, 17th, Nicholas Latifi, 18th, and then the two DNFs, Valtteri Botas, and a questionable Yuki Sonoda. Guys, where do we want to pick the bones first?
2: I'm going to challenge you on the most frustrating weekend, because I would say that Carlos probably thought he had a worse weekend than Hamilton.
1: No, no, I, I, I have enough self-awareness, and I'm not going to feed the monster that is the Ferrari sorrow machine. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was Lewis because he was in pole position. He was going to win. Every time we've had this show, I want to say the last four or five weeks, I inevitably try to work in this conversation of what's going to happen first. Lewis winning a race this year or Max winning all the remaining races. And this, I think, is as close as Lewis is going to get to winning a race. So I would be very frustrated because now I don't think he's going to win a race this year.
0: I think Carlos, Carlos has come to expect the shit show that is Ferrari, right? Like, it's almost like if it's remotely close to being not too good to be true, but like good enough to be average, Carlos should be expecting for, for worse things to happen. Right? Like if he's top five, (laughs) the team's going to screw it up. That's, that should be his, that should be his mentality going into the weekend from now on.
2: But let, let's, let's recap here for sanity's sake. (laughs) Just a quick versus, right? Lewis had great pace. Uh, saved fourth, even on mediums, everybody else started on soft, Uh, spent the majority of the race, not the majority, but a large chunk of the race in first, as you mentioned, Ro. And then due to basically things outside of his control and an aggressive call from George wanting the softs, kind of left him high and dry for that restart 11 laps to go, right? He was in first with 11 laps to go let's talk about Carlos's race. Second corner, Lewis ran into him. So he got a little bit of damage. He immediately was slow. I don't know if it was necessarily because of the damage, but he said he, they just went the wrong way with the setup. His whole first stint sucked. He then pitted and they didn't have, they had three of his four tires. They yeah. then during the, oh, that was a, I think it was like a 40 second pit stop. I don't know. He was stationary for like 13 seconds. Then during the uh, first virtual safety car. Or the the first safety car, they did unsafe release. Then he, he, what what else? It was so bad. Uh, What else happened to Carlos?
1: Let's see. That's part of my argument. He just becomes numb to it all. It's one sad, everybody hurts montage. (laughs) I I guess, which is crazy.
2: Go for it. No, it was crazy because we're we're used to talking about Leclerc in this situation because he was actually fighting for the the championship at one point. And science in the last several races has almost burnt to death, gotten punted off the track. Uh, What else? This race happened, and everything I else I just said, and I feel like I'm forgetting something from this race. Um, he's just like he's been way I feel like more unlucky this season than Leclerc has. Leclerc's done some of it to himself. Um, Ferrari, what the? F- I know we're not we we're beating a dead horse here, but I feel like we have to start here.
1: Well, that horse should be prancing, and it's not, Todd.
2: Yes, we're beating the dead horse.
1: We're beating Thank a dead for... horse. We've literally beat it to death. And now we are trying to reanimate its course. So then we can dance another jig on its grave. But Yes, I did like turn it into glue when, officially. Yeah, it's crazy glue at this point because of how bad things have gone. <laughs> so, I, a we'll serious question. Yeah. Oh, no, go ahead. You had something. No, it's it's fine. You know me. I'm just going to call an ISO and then it's going to be the audio equivalent of me dribbling for... 23 out of the 24 seconds before I put up an uncontested layup or find one of you in the corner and hope you make three, but go ahead. I'm giving you no, the I'm ball co- with 12 seconds. <laughs> Thanks.
2: I have a question for you. What seriously has to happen at Ferrari for them to make a change? Because again, it was... So uh, apparently this is a pretty short Here's track it. and they, they have... A, the, there's a, a tire engineer or a mechanics engineer, they say, that has the ability to call back to the pit wall and say, that's too soon. We can't make that. We can't get the tires out in time. That didn't happen. So like there, there's just so much miscommunication and everyone's so on edge from fucking up that they continue to fuck themselves up. What? And, and Bonato was after the race, you know, you know, like, Oh, mistakes, this, that just like, it's just par for the course is, Bonato in a hot seat or what actually has to happen in Ferrari to make some changes around there because something is lacking.
1: Nick, do you want to go first? Because I've got thoughts because this is why there's a podcast and I'm associated with it. I mean, sure. I I think
0: it's one of those weird situations where we're all we're all hoping somebody gives max a run for his money right so like yes there's a lot of stuff that's been messed up at ferrari this season but the trajectory of the team is still upwards right so i can't i can't see a situation where they're just like let's blow it all up and to your point todd if there's if there is great leadership within that organization at any level they should recognize that the the added stress is coming from People trying not to fuck up instead of trying to do their job, right? Like, look, you're all professionals. You, you, you've been doing this. Like, just go out there, do what you got to do, and and move forward. And I think that's the problem. Is that internally, there's probably you're probably spot on. It's probably like a bunch of people that are just feeling the stress, and if they can't, if they can't just just go out there and get a win, which they haven't, right? You know, it's been a while, I should say. And then until that happens again, you're gonna have that stress, right? Regardless of which driver gets the win, in my opinion. It's just the team needs to get a win in order to like bring it back down to like not boiling, you know, just put the lid on it. Let let the pasta cook a little bit longer, but just turn down the heat
1: and everybody Simmer. will be okay. Simma as my Cajun (laughs) friends like to say. I will say this. What race is next on the schedule? Monza. What team is most closely associated with said Ferrari. I think they're going to save their coup de grace for this race. Whatever fuck up they have in them, it's going to be the big one. And I think that's where it's going to be walking orders for all these guys. Because... They've always had this belief that, you know what, our season can go to shit, our drivers are going to be terrible, our car is useless, but we will always have Monza. It's one of the weirdest rallying cries I've ever seen in sports. If something happens where they give up a lead or they ruin somebody's podium and it's a DNF, I think that's when it's going to be there because it's literally so close to the forest that you've got the world's eyes on you at your signature race. That is going to be, for me, the ultimate barometer. Because if they mess up, and it's a question of if and not when. No, I'm sorry. It's a question of when and not if. Apologies, I misspoke. Then I'm going to need to know what's going to happen. Because the Italian people are very proud people. And you can say a lot of different things to them. You can be very derogatory to them in a couple of different ways. But for it to happen on their home soil, that's where I'm going to pay attention. And this is almost too morbid to say. But the only other thing I can think of is if somebody... I don't want to say loses their life, but has a severe injury that affects their racing career, whether it's a strategist, whether it's a pit crew member that just didn't get out of the way during an unsafe release. That's when I think also heads may fly because they've literally hit the bingo card of ineptitude with everything else this year.
2: So how many burritos and how many Capri <laughs> do you want to bet that Max beats the Ferraris by double digit seconds.
1: Oh, no, I was going to ask you this, like, take the combined point total of both Ferraris and will it equal the 25 or will it exceed the 25 that Max is inevitably going to score? Because I do love a convoluted bet. <laughs>
2: That's a really convoluted bet. <laughs> it's it's going to exceed. I would see, so the reason I say that and the reason I was saying like, let's bet because you turned me into a de- degenerate about betting food and beverages on F1 races. Uh, this race that we had at Zandvoort this weekend was supposed to be Ferrari's track. It wasn't supposed to suit the Red Bull. It wasn't. And it looked like that all weekend, right? In FP1, Max's car stopped for whatever reason. Mechanical fault. Can't remember exactly. The FP2... They were all over the all over the shop with their setup, and the timing wasn't there. They were like a second down off the lead, leading pace. Uh, FP three made a couple changes, looked a little better, but still off the pace. Qualifying happens, he gets pulled. Like it's it really is just he's inevitable. He's Thanos. But Monza is named the Temple of Speed for a reason. It's the one of the fastest tracks on the calendar. Red Bull is the fastest car in a straight line, which this is mostly just straight lines. Um, I could see it being like multiple double digit second win for for Max. But I think Ferrari, based on what you said, they're going to do everything they can to just not fuck up. Maybe maybe what Nick said is right. Maybe they go into this race with, hey, guys, don't worry about messing up. Just do your jobs. Like, you know, maybe try to give a relaxed feel to the team. Feels like they're all just taking their long Italian lunches and sipping on wine. and That's what they're going to
1: mess up the most. Because I've I've been in that mental spiral where everything I do, I turn into Kevin Malone handling the pot of chili. (laughs) And the worst thing you can tell me is, you know what, bro? It can get much worse. Because if your boy has a LinkedIn competency that he would like to be endorsed by his peers and people in his network, it's the improvisi- improvisational nature of finding failure in French kissing it, or in this case, Italian kissing it, because that's what Ferrari is going to do. You can't convince me otherwise.
0: I mean, the real question is not is not if Max is going to win by how many points. Is the real question is is this officially does Monza officially become Max's sixth home race of the season when he wins?
2: <laughs>
1: They're going to call it Maxa after this. <laughs> I'm ready for the harebrained Red Bull Red Bull apparel that be it's going to be like Maxa and it's going to be the Red Bull colorway that's in red because that would be the ultimate nephew to Ferrari. Oh
2: god, that would be did they come out with a red livery at Monza? No, I'm not supposed to. Know. not going
1: to be. there. They're, apparently they have a yellow livery or yellow apparel for the weekend. Cuz they're really? scared. I I keep getting bombarded by Instagram ads about check out our new apparel. Uh, for Monza and it's just yellow shirts and I'm like not the time guys let's distance ourselves from that particular palette of our uh, logo I
2: it's better mean, than I the pink the- merch that merch came out <laughs> with yeah. no
1: at this point it's not because then you can be like breast cancer awareness who hates breast cancer everyone
2: <laughs>
0: I do think that, uh, it, it is kind of interesting going into Monza though, right? Like this is, this is like the make or break point in my opinion and how, how it's handled is could go two ways, right? You could, you could look at it and say, oh shit, this is the place where we have to perform. We have to be on our best for our, our fans or take a chill pill guys. Let's just finish the re- the weekend strong. These guys, these people are going to love us regardless of what we do and it's going to be okay. And I'd love to, I'd love to actually be, you know, in the meeting room when those, when those, you know, kind of talking points are dished out. Cause I feel like, I feel like there's not going to be change. There's not going to be major change at Ferrari in my opinion, but I think that the feeling of that is, is like, this is the like breaking point for that feeling, right? Like if they can't get past this at this race, then I mean, I don't know that they actually make changes. I I mean, I guess I I don't think they actually make changes, but I think that from my perspective changes have to happen after this race. I just don't I don't see Ferrari doing anything about it. I think it's just this is how we go and this is you know, and and maybe it's maybe it's if Mercedes catches them, right? They're 30 points behind at this point. They're actually Making some, some strides to catch, you know, in the in the constructor constructor standings, but it's hard to say.
1: Yeah, they're wait. Where are they? Team the Thirty points exactly. Ferrari's at oh. three seventy six. Mercedes is at three forty six. If I remember.
2: So that's a better bet. Going back to your earlier question, I think Ferrari's sum total between the drivers will beat Max's twenty five eventual twenty five. Or 26 points, probably, uh, but not by a lot. It'll be a few points here and there.
1: Okay, fair. Let's do it. A case of your finest wild cherry Capri Sun. All right, we got the contaminated <laughs> one. Like, one of the Capri Sun flavors was contaminated recently, so it has to be that one, because I want to okay. test the failure. I only drink echo. Now, I, I was going to ask you both this because you guys are also, <laughs> as much as you are Formula One fans and sneakerheads or pop culture savants, if you guys had to give Ferrari an inspirational speech, which one would you go? Because for me, I'm leaning towards either the replacements where it's like quicksand. You just have to acknowledge that there are mistakes, but we can rise above them as a team if we're competent. And then another part of me wants them to listen to the Al Pacino any given Sunday interest speech. And then another part of me wants them to just watch Al Pacino and Heat and realize that everything he did in that movie was through the lens of inhaling a Mount Kilimanjaro amount of cocaine. And that's how I would describe Ferrari's strategy this year, is inhaling that large of copious amounts of cocaine and then just letting it fly. <laughs> They're
2: way too relaxed on the pit wall to be on cocaine. I um, yeah. would go with Herb Brooks from Miracle. That, again, that's that speech. Great.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I mean, I'm going in completely opposite direction. I'm literally just putting, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott, Mattia Bonato. <laughs> Nick Angle. <laughs> if, the, if, you can't oh. get this, if you can't get the, the team laughing at that point, you definitely got to
2: figure something else out. There's the, the card for the, the next podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just make that graphic. Just Photoshop that graphic and put Matteo Bonato under it. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. Okay, so I feel like we beat the, the horse in the glue. Now. Uh, you guys want to move on to the. Verstappen versus Mercedes thing. What happened? Happened there. So. As we were, I was talking about in the pre-show. Um, due to. Mercedes strategy of going to the hard tire early or starting on the mediums which gave them kind of two different ways to go on strategy they could have gone medium medium soft or medium soft medium or whatever they needed to um they ended up in the lead of the race due to running long on the mediums everyone else had to pit they were still they they got track position that way and were still putting in pretty good lap times on the mediums um i think it was I can't remember what what it was. Somewhere in the late 20s to 30s, they pitted for hards. Um, quick note, again, Alpine was the innovators here. They pitted Alonzo for hards pretty early. And again, it did seem like nobody on the grid paid attention to the, the the times he was putting in because he was flying still on the hards. I guess Mercedes did because they put uh, Lewis and George on the hards and Verstappen pitted to the medium which he had uh, track They which in effect gave them track position because he would have to pit again and they were keeping up they were actually faster I think at that point in the race than Verstappen was on the mediums um, then we had the I guess the biggest conspiracy theory of all time with Yuki Tsunoda coming into the pits, stopping out on track, saying, oh, the wheel's loose. And then they're like, um, no, everything looks fine on the data. Just come on in. So he went slowly around the track, came in, and this started the biggest conspiracy theory ever, that Red Bull told AlphaTauri to cause a safety car so that Verstappen could pit again uh, and give him track position back, essentially. Which... He d- didn't even cause the safety car the first time. It was virtual. the f- The first time it ended up being a v- virtual safety car, which did give Verstappen a cheap pit stop. Didn't necessarily solve solve the issue. Um, but the conspiracy theorists, and I'm going to call out Team LH here specifically, were flying off the handle on Twitter, saying like, "This is Red Bull made AlfaTari break down on purpose so that they could let Max win the race." This is so bad to say that they people were like sending death threats to the chief strategist for Red Bull Hannah Schmitz I want to say her name is mm-hmm. so bad to where AlphaTauri had to like put out a press release saying like you guys need to chill the fuck out people need to t- stop taking this so seriously it's just a sport um but anyway then as we know Terry Terry Bodass blew up uh which caused a full safety car um they had to come through the pit lane for that and during that during such time George said I need softs I need softs so they pitted George which took George out of the way between um Max and Lewis so it was then the running order was Lewis on Decently old, hards, Max on fresh softs. George right behind him on fresh softs. Restarted, literally the first straightaway. Max passed Lewis, literally inch perfectly, by the way, because you're not allowed to pass until the start-finish line, and he was like less than a wing behind him before they hit the finish line or start-finish line. Uh, And then it was all she wrote. So what do you guys think? Do you think Merck had had the chance? Do you think if they double stacked or if they pitted, uh, they could have fought back from the lead? Do you think that Red Bull has that much control that they would risk literally their standings in the championship to pit their car so they could get Max a home win? Tinfoil hat time. What do we got?
0: I mean, clearly it was all Yuki's brainchild. He was just like, you know what? I want to take one for the team so badly that I'm going to pretend that the wheels are falling off. And, you know, that was it. I think it's ridiculous, man. I think no driver wants wants to play into team orders, let alone, what, organization orders? I mean, they're not even, you know, it's... So over the top. I think that. I didn't really think about the stacking thing until you said it earlier before we started recording, but I think that's actually an interesting potential possibility. If, if Mercedes went that route, it would have been much closer. I still just think that Max is, is he, he would have, you know, he, he would have won. He's going to win. He like, he's in a better car. He's a better driver this year. Like there's just not many things that are going to stop that. And to your point, the timing on the, on that pass is like a perfect example of like, just you are on the top of your game, right. Compared to everybody else on the field. Not that Lewis really would have had a shot, right? Like Lewis has got, you know, hards, hards on at that point, mediums on at that point. And Uh, I think it was hard still.
2: Oh no! Yeah. Anyway,
0: Max Max is Max is on you know a better set of tires and he's also got you know he's getting that NASCAR slingshot draft going you know coming around the corners and stuff and he's just like (laughs) there's just there's just nothing that's going to stop that unfortunately and I, I think that you know had. Had Lewis, like, outpaced Russell for the rest of the race, maybe we could have a different conversation about the conspiracy theories and stuff. But, like, clearly George had the tire change, was was in a better position, you know. Max is still going to win. But.
1: Max is going to win. It's a boring season. And when you're bored, you have to look at these little silver linings of conspiracy to make the medicine go down a little bit easier. I'm in agreement with what you guys said. There isn't anything I can say that's revolutionary. Red Bull is very good this year. They've got the reps in to literally come from behind in whatever circumstance or scenario you can come up with as a race fan. And similarly, I think Mercedes of previous years might have done a better job handling that challenge, but they haven't had the reps this year of being a team that's been leading from the front. He, as much as Fernando Alonso wants the world to know, Lewis tended to do better when he raced from front because that's all he did for the last eight years. He hasn't had that experience, so I do think there's a certain degradation of muscle memory. We need to just kind of give the devil his due. So Max Verstappen, good job. And I am surprised that Team LH, probably one of the most nuanced and subtle fan bases around, could not comprehend that this was happening. And it's a real damn shame that you guys as a whole can't come up with this. And if you want to talk to me about it, you can reach out to me at MadWatcher789 on Twitter. And we'll have a civil discussion about the fact that your boy looks a little past it this year. Thank you for your time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, subtle and nuanced is exactly what I would describe Team I'm trying here. to come up
1: with synonyms that started with an L and a H for subtle and nuanced, and I just couldn't do it. So, sorry. I <laughs> failed all my okay. English teachers.
2: Uh, lunatics and harebrained? I, no, nope, I nope.
1: sir, we're not going to do that. Come on, they're dear no, friends. they I I, I
2: respect Lewis. I think he's probably the 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 goat. Um, I I mean I, I don't know, probably Santa still for me, but like he's in the conversation for sure. Uh, but th- this is like the negative effect of the drive to survive influx of fans because they don't understand like the mechanics of the sport, and then they're like racism or conspiracy or you know it's like a orange man bad which is funny because it kind of works about two things um <laughs> <laughs> it's like that kind of response to everything uh and i i just can't like you both said this was max's race to to you can't even say max's race to lose it was max's race to win twice if he wanted to um the pace was there I do think when we were talking about this in the pre-show, Nick, you mentioned it, so I'll talk about it again. There was a a chance, and I was watching the Jolly and Palmer's analysis of the race uh, that's on F1 TV, um, if you guys want to check it out. But he was saying there was an opportunity for, during the safety car, because they went through the pit lane, and the race order was uh, Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, or not race order, I should say the cars in order going through the pit lane was Hamilton, Latifi, the GOAT, uh, then Russell, then Max. So Russell could have backed up Max for it. They could have tried to double stack there. Um, he, he could have maybe gotten got or gotten in trouble for driving too slowly into the safety car, but they were all kind of bunched up right there, right into the entry to the pit lane. So he probably could have just slowed down as a safety thing given enough time for Lewis to get in and get out so they could double stack and potentially keep Lewis ahead of Max on the same tire, which would have been a really exciting finish. Then you could have started talking conspiracy theory. If they got a penalty or not, that might be a valid question, but um, it could have happened. I don't know. I think Max, the only race that he might not, the only race that Someone else probably has a chance in again is sounds like Singapore based on the current car structures this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wins out from the championship perspective, Leclerc needs him to DNF the next four races and Leclerc win the next four and then they can battle in the last three to keep it, you know, close.
0: I mean, I th- I think that the point of this whole topic is it, it's not necessarily new fans, right? It's literally just the nature of social media, people hopping on and, and getting you know, like, look, as as every press release after some dumb shit happens says, emotions are high. You're like, well, no shit, but I don't go fucking saying some derogatory shit towards people, like. I don't do that. Why do these people do this? You know? And I think that's like part of the like group, the mob mentality that happens when, when people watch the race together and, you know, through social media and it just sucks that, that, you know, it sucks because primarily because one, we don't, or we expect better from Lewis's Lewis's fan base because of how great Lewis is as a human being. Fans don't equal the, 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 the driver, right? Or the, the athlete in this. Um, but I also think that, like, you know, um, what's her name? Hannah um, Schmitz? Schmitz, I think, yeah. Yeah. She's, like, one of the few, like, prominent women figures in Formula One. And to me, like, I I, I don't know. I feel like it's like it's like even even worse that this is going at her and all of the death threats and shit is like just so ridiculous to me but like the fact that like you're you're in this sport that like I mean I would say that we as fans would love to see more diversity and more change happening in the sport for the better and yet here we are talking about some stupid shit from a group that, you know, not to say that they're the the most well-spoken on the Internet, but, like, we would expect better from them, you know? So I think that's the, the hardest part about it, and it's just super disappointing. And conspiracy theories are all, will always exist, right? We, we, you know, that's also part of the fun. It's just, like, draw the line at, like, I don't know, somewhere if death threats are 10, start at three and cut it off there, you know, and just let four through 10 live in another in your head only, you know, don't say that part out loud. If if that's how you really feel
2: also try taking a chill pill, if that's how you really feel. Yeah. It ain't that serious.
1: There's a reason why there's a drafts folder and there's a reason why 85% of those things should never leave said draft folder. So, that's all I'm going to contribute because Nick hit the nail on the head. And if you truly feel that something so out of your control resorts to you making death threats to people that have no impact on the circumstance that made you angry, do better. And we can list mental health uh, phone numbers jokingly and not jokingly at the end of this episode. But This is one of those things. We are all fans of niche things between the three of us, and we always roll our eyes and just kind of shake our heads whenever our niche thing takes the spotlight in terms of the dumbest human of the week. And good job, Formula One. You've kind of been hitting it on the nail. Uh, You've been rising above all the other stupidity in this world for a little bit of a year now. So let's do better. Let's kind of regress back to the mean if we can.
2: Speaking of stupid things, can we outlaw flares... Like I get it, I, I get that it's like a big like Ooh, Dutch thing.
1: I'm orange. He's orange. I'm gonna celebrate in smoke form. It's the <laughs> worst phase. Why not have a big old eight orange Gatorade toss? One another reason why America's better than Europe in terms of celebrations. <laughs> <laughs> Our celebrations are cheeky and fun. Their shenanigans are cruel and terrible. I'm losing my voice. So I'm trying to end big. Anyway, I've said my piece. I mean, there's, I there's think they look cool. That... I
0: get it, right? It's kind of like fire, fireworks, right? You know, I, I get that that stuff is exciting for people, but it seems like it's just gotten way out of hand, right?
2: But like Max's fans dra- travel well, right? That's why he's got seven home Grand Prix's now. So there's the Orange Army everywhere. They'll be in, you know, Coda. They were in Miami. They're going to be in Vegas. They'll be in Interlo. They're, they're everywhere. Um, but like, apparently they had signs all weekend at the entrances saying like, you know, if you have flares, turn them in, that's just not enough F1 or track promoters or event promoters, whoever's at organizing these races, there needs to be some sort of baggage check or something like luckily the rest of the world, you don't have to go through a metal detector to get into a thing like you do here because nobody's toting guns or shoot up the place, whatever. But there needs to be some sort of check because the I, I've talked about this before, but the, the smoke um, during the event, I think, is dangerous from a driver's perspective. Most importantly, but then uh, we had not one, but two flares thrown onto the track this weekend, one during qualifying, and I guess one was at the end of qualifying Um And it was apparently thrown onto the track by an actual security guard at the event. According to the footage I saw, he was wearing like the security shirt, and he looked like super smug and proud of himself that he did it. And I I don't know if he was trying to get it out of the stands or something, but he threw it onto the track, which is like the absolute worst place you can throw it over the back of the grandstands or something. Jesus Christ! But they need to do something about this because it's getting out of hand. And some at some point, one of these drunk assholes whether it be a Dutch guy or not, is going to throw it during like a flying lap and it's going to hit a driver and the driver's going to smash in a wall. So there's my PSA on flares. And it's not even cool fireworks. It's like the snakes of fireworks. Like smoke grenades when we were kids were like, you know, cool for like 30 seconds. And then we wanted to blow something up with an M80. Get bottle rockets. And Actually, no, that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> They're gonna shoot them with the drivers. Uh, just don't bring fucking fireworks to a, sh- a race. They have fireworks anyway. We saw at this this weekend when Max beat everyone by like 15 seconds. He went down the pit straight and fireworks went off. Well, and that's
0: that's the thing that's gonna that's gonna really suck about it is it's not gonna be just smoke flares and and whatever that's banned, right? It's gonna be every type of thing under the sun because everything becomes a projectile in, you know, in those situations. So I, I don't know. I I think, I think we're, I think we're headed towards, you know, smoke flare, the flares getting banned anyway. Right. Like there's just, the more this dumb shit happens, the more look, they can't, they formula one can't have some, I mean, I don't know if the guy's a security guard or just wearing a security outfit or whatever, but like, Either way, you know, whether you're a fan, whether you're on the track, whether you're a worker, like that shit just can't happen. And I think we're, we're just heading towards more of a lockdown for this type of stuff, which ultimately takes away the fun for the, the young kids that are going to go and like, you know, be a part of it. Cause they're not the ones causing a bunch of ruckus, but like, you know, it's kind of to your point about fireworks, right? It's like kids, a, a eight-year-old kid holding the sparkler, like that's a life-changing experience. A, You know, 40 year old that's pissed that, you know, he can't bring his flares into, you know, the next race is like, now you're going to have somebody doing even more dumb shit because they're mad that they can't bring their flares to the race. It's not that important. Just enjoy the racing. Enjoy the sport.
1: I'm just tickled by the fact that there are banners that are asking these noble people to turn their flares in as if that's going to do something. Because when's the last time you guys have been to a sporting event and you do what a banner tells you to do?
2: <laughs> I was an unfortunate,
1: you
2: know yeah. yeah, I was an unfortunate smoker uh, for a very long time, and I tailgated Raider games for a very long time, and would always find a way to sneak a cigarette in at all times, even though you're not allowed to in Raider Stadium. It's just human nature.
1: But then again, I also am the one that starts chanting defense in the first quarter of a preseason game at the NBA. So really, we all have our faults.
2: <laughs> There's always that guy. There's always that guy. A uh, couple other topics, unless you guys wanted to discuss lame no. fireworks anymore. Uh, so I think we touched on it quickly, but Alpine is on a run. Both her drivers are performing. Alonso is just making Alpine regret them, screwing up his contract even more or screwing with his contract and not offering him two years as Aaron corrected me on last time, which is why he went to Aston Martin in the first place. But that leads me to say this contract talks, the contract recognition board officially this week, or I guess it was, was it last week? I think it was last Last week. week. Um, confirmed that McLaren is getting Piastri. But details came out this week about how badly Alpine screwed this up and everyone was mad at McLaren for like driver shopping and stealing people. And we know they stole a bunch of drivers in IndyCar. Maybe they're just really good at this because they. Completely went by the book and signed Piastri. After Piastri had already told them, uh, told Alpine, I should say, hey, like, I'm looking around. You guys have screwed up the contract talks. They missed a ton of deadlines dating back to, like, I want to say December last year. And they kept missing deadlines, missing deadlines. So he finally, in March, I think, started saying, like, okay, I'm talking to other people, told the team, even went as far as to tell the team, like, uh, apparently, supposedly told the team, like, I'm, I've signed with another team and then they came and told him while he was in the simulator that like, Hey, we're promoting you to the race seat and he didn't know what to say. So he just was like, thanks. Like literally that's according to his description. He awkwardly was like, thank you. Didn't know what to say. So, uh, that brings up the driver market talk. I just wanted to point that piece out that Alpine's apparently the idiots here. Uh, it's all but confirmed that Pierre Gasly is now leaving AlphaTauri for Alpine and uh, Dr. Evil Helmet Marco has uh, confirmed that they are trying to get Colton Herta, and then Christian Horner also confirmed the same thing and said, we are going after Colton Herta if we can get him a super license. So that shakes things up a bit, right? Because Pierre Gasly to Alpine, Colton Herta to uh, AlphaTauri. I'm guessing they keep Yuki now. So that leaves Williams. Alfa Romeo, kind of, but I think that they're going to keep both of their drivers. Uh, um, And Haas. What do you guys think happens there?
0: I mean, I think that Alpine has basically been watching Ferrari screw things up all season and was like, hold my beer. It's time. It's time for for us to get really serious about screwing things up.
1: Hold my wine. They're French. They're a little more. Oh yeah,
0: that's right. Sorry. Wine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just think it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm beginning to think that maybe this is the conspiracy theorist theorist in myself. But I'm beginning to think that all of this stuff is way more dramatized than for Netflix than it than it really is. That makes sense, you know. Like, I are we going to see this cut type of stuff on Netflix? Because it makes for great entertainment if if that's what it's for.
1: No, I get what you're. But I'm starting to wonder,
0: like, how much of it is, is like real.
1: Now I was just going to say, I get where you're coming from, Nick, because if the presence of those cameras isn't there, it's just really as sensational as we think, probably. But then at the same time, we know enough about the Netflix business that they have to cultivate new storylines every year as long as they continue to do this show. And right now, I guarantee you, they're salivating at the fact that if this Alpine thing is true, you have two bitter rivals that have grown up together on the French track as youths and they still don't like each other. And that is going to be combustible. Now, one thing I will say is, yeah, Alpine looks like a bunch of dummies. I'll be the first to say it as a resident Alpine fanboy. But I think Fernando Alonso is getting a bit of ahead of himself because if he's trying to punish Alpine, probably one of the worst ways to punish Alpine is to join one of their rivals behind them because I don't think he's going to be as good next year.
2: Alonso's known for getting everything out of a car that shouldn't have it. So. I- it sounds, it, it seems like, especially shout out Vich Tits. Uh, he's been on a run of form this week. It seems like Aston Martin's finally getting their copycat car together a little bit because their pace has improved dramatically. Can't really say that about Seb, but I think Seb is just in La La Land dreaming about bees, his bee hotel, whatever. Uh, but Strolls looked really good in the last couple races. races. Um, maybe it's tra- track specific. But who knows? But Alpine, like back to the original question you guys had, like, is it dr- dramatized for Drive to Survive? There's no way Alpine's not going to be like, hey, you know what? We're going to challenge this with the contract recognition board, even though we don't have a case. And then we're going to end up having to pay, like, I think it was like a half a million dollars total because they had to pay McLaren's lawyer fees, they had to pay the contract ex- recognition board for their time. And then pay their own legal fees. And it was like estimated to be like a half million dollars. They're Not going to waste a half million dollars on that. There's no way. So I think it's just Alpine really, really taking a page out of the Ferrari playbook, like Nick said. Um, uh, but they lost, I think, one of the top drivers on the grid in Fernando Alonso. They then lost the most exciting prospect on the grid in Oscar Piastri, and then they sign to your point, Rohit, two drivers that literally still hate each other. What? What? What the hell are they thinking? Like, oh, let's sign bitter rivals uh, and put them on the same team, and then make them compete against each other. They're not going to like work together. Can you imagine team orders?
1: In that, well, it's one of those recurring clouds that seems to follow the S to Bandit around. Like I, with the exception of maybe Daniel Ricardo, it seems. Every single one of his teammates, he seems to have some sort of fatal flaw with. And it's going to be really interesting to see that have both of these drivers matured enough that they can let bygones be bygones. And to your point, Todd, are they going to work together? Because I think if they are going to work together, I really like that midfield bearing. But at the same time, for me right now, the floor and the ceiling for that team are the fact that this almost could be a running back of the old racing point team with Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez. And this coin, if I'm being entirely too kind to Esteban Ocon, maybe he's a Sergio Perez in this because he's been a little bit better than Gasly over the last 18 months. But then again, we haven't seen Gasly in a great car. So maybe Gasly also has returned to form. They're going to be the most interesting team to me to watch going forward if they make that marriage happen.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the I think the more interesting piece to all of these changes is probably maybe getting ahead of myself, but Colton Herta drives for Andretti in any car, right? So, what does that mean? Because that that to me is is even more interesting. We've we've kind of brushed that under the rug in a lot of ways, where it's like, well, that's not going to happen. FI is not going to let it happen. Blah blah blah. But like this seems like another wedge to keep that door just slightly open. In my opinion.
2: Going down that conspiracy theory, Andretti buys AlphaTauri because I think Red Bull wants out of AlphaTauri because their AlphaTauri clothing brand isn't supporting it. Plus the director or creator of Red Bull, whatever his name is, um, another supervillain type, is like 80-something, and he wants to set this out for the long term. And Red Bull can't afford two teams and this kind of hyper inflated F1 market that we have all these billion dollar teams or whatever they're worth. They sell and, uh, alpha tower to. Andretti. Then it becomes like Andretti alpha tauri Something like it's got a nice ring to it. Kind of. Um, and then we have Colton Herta driving for Andretti anyway, conspiracy theory. There you go. Yeah. And now the Porsche deal fell apart, which we can get into, but. Um, they need an influx of money to build Red Bull powertrains or they keep Honda. I don't know. One of those two things happen. I could see them selling Alpha Terry either way. It definitely doesn't have the same cachet as Benetton. The colors of Benetton did plus that livery was sick. Yeah. Sorry. That's on a very old F1 team for those newer listeners.
1: I feel educated.
2: (laughs) Okay, last thing on the driver market. It's just me rambling now. Uh, During the driver parade, DR, and this is my little DR corner for the episode, DR and Checo were walking out during the driver parade, and somebody on a phone or whatever caught, not caught so much, but he was talking to Checo as they were walking out through the little entranceway. Dr. was talking about taking a year off with the seats shrinking, uh, the number of open seats, I should say, shrinking, and him not necessarily wanting to take a step back to a backmarker team like Haas-ish or Williams definitely still being a backmarker next year. Um, Seems all but likely. What do you guys think? You think he takes a year off, even though he's kind of older and maybe not he maybe won't get back in.
0: I think it's a bad move if he does. I think at his age and with the way he drove this year, he needs to be in a seat to be in people's minds because taking a year off is, is just going to leave room for a younger, more long-term, you know, driver, potentially more long-term driver to step into a seat that he could po- probably be in. And to to our conversations around around Danny Ricardo, you know, going to another racing body of some sorts anywhere is not going to help his case for being in a Formula One car. Like if he if if he takes time off, I think he doesn't come back to Formula One. I think he goes to IndyCar or NASCAR or sports car. I mean he he'd be he'd be killer in in like Le Mans, right? You know. American or American Lamont, but like FIA, you know, WEC Wilson Jordan Challenge stuff. Yeah. yeah. That, that would be amazing because there's not a lot of like, there's some great personalities, but they don't have like world famous celebrity, you know, experience in that racing. But that racing is really entertaining to watch. So, and Porsche's in it. So,
2: you know, or they'll be back in it, I think next year, season after. I can't remember. So what you're saying is you want him to go to WEC and try for Porsche.
0: My first, my (laughs) first hope for Danny is to stay in formula one somehow. If that's Haas, that would be my first choice because then I would just become a super Haas fan. And (laughs) you know, uh, is it, is it Aaron's team? All Haas, no breaks. I mean, that's, that's, we get the shirts made at that point. If Danny Rick signs with Haas, but also, I understand like you don't want to go race for teams below where you've been at, right? Like, uh, But, look, you know, look at the NBA. Gary Payton, you know, Mitch Richmond, all signed up to play for the you've Lakers. You know?
1: I mean, I would say yep. this. I think take the year off, because if there's one thing absence does, it makes the heart grow fonder. And we've seen it with Kevin Magnuson. We've seen it with Nico Hulkenberg. The longer that they're away from the track and the grid People tend to romanticize their racing careers. And the minute you see an underachieving young driver, what's the first ailment or what's the first solution to that? Bring in the most established presence you can. And I think that could help Daniel Ricciardo. So I'll play devil's advocate to you, Nick, because I think he's got enough cult of a personality as is to always be on that short list of replacement drivers. But I think take a break be that diplomat that we've always argued him to be, be the Australian Pat McAfee, be F1's equivalent to Stephen A. Smith, wink, and build the brand up. So then when you do come back, it feels like an even bigger deal because you helped kind of build this groundswell of emotion and excitement around the sport.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say I lean on Nick's side. I hope he doesn't take the time off. I don't think he would... I don't think he would come back in to f1 he doesn't seem like the type that's just like i'm gonna you know go like race some other little series or or just take the time off like hulkenberg and just sit on the couch and then you know wait for race teams to call him he's too much of a personality he's got too many other interests he i think he owns like a brewery and a winery and several other types of businesses. I think he would just step into that. Plus he's been on all types of American TV. I think he would just become an unofficial American at that point, which I also hope he goes to Haas because I think he could uh, hold his own against either Mick or Kevin Magnuson. Um, And it would give him a chance to like prove his worth over the, last two years of bad, bad racing. And then maybe he gets a call up to another team, uh, higher up the grid. Who knows? He also said something about potentially becoming a reserve driver. And there's like murmurs about him possibly being the Mercedes reserve driver, which would be strange, but like, I don't think Merck's going to give him the seat if Lewis retired. That just doesn't make any sense.
1: No, I was going to say, they spent an unusually large amount of time on Nick DeVries this weekend, because every time I looked up when I was watching the race, I swear they're like, oh, here's Nick DeVries, Mercedes race car driver in reserve. Is it DeVries? Yeah,
2: Nick DeVries. I don't think he's ever going to get a seat in F1, which is sad, because he's super talented. He's, a, I think, a now two-time Formula E champion, and he's leading the standings this year. Um, But I don't. I, I just think he is the permanent reserve driver, which if he's racing and winning all these other series, then maybe he's okay with that. Who knows? I I hope DR stays on the grid for my fanboyism alone. I'll be very sad. Yep. Me too.
0: All right, let's wrap up. Let's talk about these fantasy standings.
2: Let's do it. We the will start with the Voldemort League. I'm actually prepared this time. I don't need you to vamp, bro. Oh, damn it. Sorry for oh. taking your favorite uh favorite time of the pod. Uh it's it's very likely that like half the grid on this Voldemort League has given up because we have several zeros. <clears throat> um Nick, you didn't give up. You're just team had a shite week. Uh but uh in Third place, uh, Jackal, shout out to you for the review again. In second place is myself, and in first place is uh, Julie Wood for the week. League standings overall, I'm still in first. Uh, Actually, it's the same three people. Uh, I'm still in first with about a 130-point lead. Uh, Julie Wood is in uh, second, and Jackal is in third. Uh, Nick, you're in 5th, and Fight No Cons is 7th, currently. Moving over to the uh, F1 official Fantasy League, Exhaust Notes League, whatever you want to call it. Um, For the week, let's see here. In P3, we had uh, the Trap Beat, where you can find Rohit online to talk to him respectfully about Team LH. Um, it, with 189 points, uh, Günther's dream team in P2, John S with 193 points, and I had the top spot, uh, for the week with 212 points. Moving on to the season standings after race 13 or 14, whatever that was, uh, in P1 we have all Haas, no breaks. Shout out aaron. Um, I'm still in second place with uh a little less than a hundred point about a seventy point de- deficit. And in third place, uh Alpha Ash Ari, Mr. Mega Drive. Or Mr. and Mrs. Mega Drive, I should say. I know that's Mega
1: a- Mega 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 Drive.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see. Uh team one, bro, you are currently in P eight. And the speeding burritos are currently just outside the points in P13. Real ah. tight, real tight race, though, between points there. So you still could do it. And the most important league here. Here we go. For the week, uh, in P4, we had uh, Roe with 42 points. Fuck uh, you, Botas. <laughs> in uh, P3 Nick with 51 points even though he's got Max with his fifth win in a row stacking those P1's uh, in P2 Aaron with 52 points just edging him out and I, I don't know lucked my way into P1 this week uh, with 62 points so the overall season standings starting to pull out a bit of a lead not feeling quite as confident as Max yet, but I'm, I'm liking this where we are right now. So in fourth place, Aaron with uh, 723. In P3, we have uh, Nick with 745. Right in front of him, five points ahead. Uh, Rohit with 750, and I am in P1 uh, with 780. And there's your fantasy I think we need updates. to put a request out for... Uh-
0: the team exhaust notes team EN, uh, to come up with some conspiracy theories as to how Todd is winning all of the fantasy leagues. Cause clearly, clearly he wouldn't, he wouldn't just be able to win all these leagues. He had to have like, he's probably got some sort of Yuki, no, you know,
1: I'm a member of team T Y. Uh, first of all, <laughs> how dare you? Second of all, <laughs> that man races on, Intelligence, integrity, and intensity. He's a Kurt Angle disciple, and I will not have you besmirch the character of my dear friend Toddworth, Jerome Yates. Jerome, let him have it. How dare he? How dare? He? Sorry, sorry. Emotions
2: are high. Emotions are high. <laughs> <laughs> oh, T- uh, Nick, taking a page out of TMLH's handbook. Um, I can't believe this as we talked about in this like pre -pre preseason fantasy draft. How you said you just like always lose fantasy. I played fantasy football for a long time and my team got the nickname of Yates. So my last name is Yates and I would always draft really well. And then all of my starters would get hurt within the first few weeks. So my team had the Yates, um, dark joke, but it's there. Uh, I don't know why I'm. Doing well, but I've been screaming into the void about F1 for a really long time by myself. and Now I have all these friends, so maybe God's shining down on me a little. Like, hey, look, you, you, you paid attention to something for a really long that's time. Funny. You kind of know what you're talking about.
1: You know what rhymes with Yates? Greats. And that's how I feel after listening to Todd in these 90-minute installments. I feel great.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No. I, I was I was just kidding. I don't need anybody to harass Todd. But if you do want to harass Todd, he's about to tell you how you can find him outside of this show, so
2: I am uh Rohizi on Twitter. And uh, yeah. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm uh T Easy on Instagram, T Easy F one on Twitter. Come follow me.
1: Identity theft is not a joke, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> From the guy who, who has like six different Twitter handles per episode. Six different Twitter handles for six different members of our Discord. And if you join at the $1.99 platform, you can also be one of those aliases <laughs> in a future episode. But you can follow me on Twitter at Rohezy. You can follow me at IG at RoadM. My social security number starts. No, not gonna do that. All right, Todd. Or I mean Nick, back to you.
0: <laughs> you could follow me at Nick Engvall on all platforms. Make sure you follow Exhaust Notes FM everywhere. So you can have more of these conversations. And like these guys said, hit the link in the description to join the discord and the rest of the community because there's a lot of great people in there. And uh, they all are in these fantasy leagues, which we will dive into again next season. But uh, I think uh, just looking at Rowett's work on the spreadsheet this week, I realized that next year is going to be just we're going to be. We're going to be like Max Verstappen level of fantasy leagues next year. So you guys should, should be a part of the community before we get to that point. Get to know some people.
1: Plus, it's less. We appreciate to
0: y'all rocking people. with us.
1: Yeah, thank you. You're right. Sorry.
0: <laughs> we appreciate y'all rocking with us and listen to us. Thanks for the support. We'll catch you in the next episode. Peace.
2: Laters. <laughs>